Hello and welcome. This is the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. I'm Ben. I'm Craig. I'm Derek. This is Tank. Um, and I'm Aaron. Hey, Aaron. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? We're doing great. We're glad to have you here. Aaron is with Thanks. us this week. He is one of the developers for New Bible for iOS. Uh, will you tell us a little bit about yourself as we get going? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm Aaron. I'm out in California. And along with a good friend of mine, Corey Westerhold, uh, we made New Bible. I've been out in California for a while and designing for about as long. Cool. Where do you work? Uh, right now I'm at Yahoo. I'm a design director for the mobile team. I work on email and chat applications. Awesome. That is so Very cool. Nice. Yeah, a lot of communication stuff. Well, good deal. All right. Well, we are going to hang out with you all week, uh, this week, <laughs> all episode this week. Uh, and you have to talk to us every single day this week. You don't get away. <laughs> yeah. I might have to clear that with my wife. <laughs> all right. I got a story this week. Um, something pretty crazy happened today. And I wanted to, I was trying to figure out the correct medium to share it with. And I decided podcast would definitely be the best one for this story. So last night I made a baked ziti and it was awesome. Um, as I made it, it required a cup and a half of sour cream. I told my wife, I was like, you know, this, you know, this is going to be good when it has a cup of half of sour cream. You just, just stick that in the oven and eat, eat that bake. It'll be good enough. But anyway, it was good with all the other stuff as well. But uh, it also fed 10 people and there were two of us. So we had plenty of leftovers for the next week. Um, and so I brought it to work uh, in today. And as I go in at lunch to enjoy my sour cream filled baked ziti, I smell definitely Italian food in the microwave as I walk in and nobody's in there. I'm thinking, is someone cooking my baked ziti? <laughs> so the microwave goes off, kind of look around a little bit, and then I open the microwave and I hear the receptionist yell, that's mine. It's the, uh, I'm making it. You can take it out. And I'm thinking, okay, I take it out and looked at it and it's baked ziti. <laughs> okay, this is weird. So I go and open the refrigerator, but my big ZD is still in there. So um, I set it down, and I'm about to cook it, and she comes in, and uh, I say, I told her, I thought you were cooking my stuff for a little bit, and she goes, what is it, big ZD? I said, yeah, it is. Um, I made it last night, and she goes, did you put sour cream in it? I said, yep. She goes, did you put provolone cheese on it? Yep. Uh, what about topped with mozzarella? Yep. She goes, did you get this recipe from allrecipes.com? Yeah. She goes, we made the exact same recipe. <laughs> so it was my first time ever to make that baked ziti. Um, she said she'd made it before, but just one of those, what are the odds of bringing the same lunch to like the same recipe to work and That's meeting awesome. each other in the lunchroom. <laughs> so I thought that was a fun story. I'd I'd, share it. I definitely thought this was about to be the story of the miracle of the multiplying baked ziti for a moment. <laughs> and then we went a totally different direction. I'm it trying to work out what baked ziti is. It's like oh, pasta. It's a pasta dish. Yeah. Is it like lasagna? Somewhat akin to lasagna, I think. Ah, okay, cool. Yes. Yeah. Different noodles. Nice. Okay, you guys want to get into the news this week? Yeah, let's do that.
All right. Going into tech you should know this week. First off, Microsoft launches News Pro for iOS. News Pro is a news delivery service a la Flipboard based on providing, quote, hyper-relevant news for your work. The idea is to focus on articles and topics that's insanely relevant to your day-to-day career. I find this interesting because this seems like one of the uh, one of many little random apps that that Microsoft <laughs> has been releasing as of late, um, and it, it's I don't know where this fits into their strategy. If they're just trying to take machine learning to uh, into as many places as they can to see what works or or not, but the question is: Is it more or less useful than their selfie app? Oh, definitely more useful. I've tried it, and I like it. <laughs> Actually, okay, cool. the selfie app, I think, is a little bit more sophisticated than we gave it credit for, but it's another it's story. It's a selfie app. Well, but it uses machine learning to make the best you know, selfie that it possibly can. Just because you say the words <laughs> machine and learning next to each other does not mean it's sophisticated. It sounds no. smart. Selfie and sophisticated don't go in the same sentence. <laughs> I don't know. It does something with like making, just making the picture look better. Uh, for specifically but anyway spotify video is now available uh spotify has just released an update to its service that wants to take on streaming services with content from channels such as espn comedy central bbc (laughs) and more cool i think could be really good will it all be free do you know if it'll be free like or watch it with a premium account spotify is not free I mean, there's a free ad-supported version, and then there's a premium. Yeah, yeah. I imagine, I imagine it would be the same as like that, or as maybe Hulu is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spotify Video would be included in whatever Spotify subscription that you have. I don't know if it's available with the free version or not, if it's ad-supported, but um, it's not a separate subscription service. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I don't know. Audio tried that with uh, video; didn't seem to work out too well. Audio oh, really? is no more. <laughs> <Didn't>, uh, <laughs> exactly. Audio didn't work out for RDO all that well. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Somebody just picked them up, didn't they? Who just bought all their stuff? Pandora, Pandora? bought all the people. Pandora. Oh, that's right. That's right. Not the actual service. Didn't, didn't we cover that in the news like two weeks ago? I think ago? we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I couldn't remember it was Pandora because, well, it's Pandora. Pandora. <laughs> <laughs> did you use Pandora? No. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, I was an RDO user from. I don't know, day one or so. Oh, Hands okay, down, nice. it was the best streaming music service out there. That's what really? I heard from a lot of people. What makes it the best? Um, their product the best? and design vision from the get-go were integrated like in the service. It wasn't sort of an afterthought, which um, I feel like is the case with a lot of things. Um, I just feel like their discovery was so much better. Their social was uh, way better than Spotify. Um, I hate that you have to connect... Uh, Facebook to get friends, and yep. it's just kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the best feature of RDO was the ability to go to a record label and actually see the full catalog. Oh, yeah, that is cool. I didn't know it did that. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I found more good music by going to a band that I liked, seeing what label they were on, seeing what other you know records are put out from that record label. I mean, it's just the discovery was much more of a, an engaging and fun experience for me. It definitely seems like in the music streaming business, at least on mobile, no one's really figured it out what the best UI is because, you know, you look at Apple Music and you look at Spotify and they both have significant problems 
I think. Different ones, but significant ones. Mm-hmm. RDO was good, but not like super fantastic. It definitely had a lot of cool kid stuff. Like you had a long press on things to bring up yeah. menus. And uh, towards the end, they started really bringing a lot of that stuff to the surface and making it much more accessible. But um, I still think it was miles ahead of everything else. Apple finally brings podcasts to the Apple TV. In releasing tvOS 9.1.1 this week, Apple has updated its video streaming box, most notably with a brand new podcasts channel, bringing the world of podcasts officially to the Apple TV. Were there other podcast apps for the Apple TV before that? There was. I'm not sure that they were any good, though. Do you know if Overcast I, has made it there yet? No, I don't think. I don't think Marco Arment has even started make. I mean, I, he's played around with developing for TVOS, but I don't think he's planning on releasing an Overcast app for TV, for Apple TV anytime soon. Wasn't there a podcast app on the original Apple TV OS? I don't I think so. Don't think so. Uh, there might there might be. I'm not sure. I have I have an old Apple TV. Yeah, I, I still have, have the third one. generation. Yeah. I'll have to check that later. Java may be finally going away. So it was announced this week by Oracle that um, they will be deprecating the Java plugin uh, from here on out. <coughs> and I'm just going to directly quote Ars, Ars Technica on this one because the quote is so perfect. The much maligned Java browser plugin, source of so many security flaws over the years, is to be killed off by or- Oracle. It will not be mourned. Oracle, which acquired Java as part of its 2010 purchase of Sun Microsystems, has announced that the plugin will be deprecated in the next release of Java, version 9, which is currently available as an early access beta. A future release will remove it entirely. Did you just say Java, as in the hut? I did say Java. (laughs) Java the Uh, hut is no more. Oddly enough, I just got a Java update this morning. You just got a Java update? Yeah. (laughs) they're always getting updates uh i think we should probably clarify that java itself won't be going away just the browser plugin i don't think Uh, we'll be getting rid of java in a long time i was wondering if you were going to clarify that tech and i'm glad you did (laughs) yeah one of my coworkers would be furious he's a scala guy which i think compiles into java so he would be (laughs) a bit upset if he were to hear that that makes sense java is going away (laughs) because java is an actual uh, programming language or scripting language, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's but, pretty big still. Yeah, it's quite robust. The FCC wants to totally overhaul how cable boxes work. So you know those cable boxes that sit right below your TV that you have to pay your cable provider for every month? You may finally be able to have third-party options for accessing your cable subscription if the FCC gets its way. So they're, what they're basically doing is... Um, trying to open up that open up the cable box so that other people can make cable boxes so you don't have to use the here cable uh provider it's like it's basically more uh i guess it's net neutrality for tv basically they they don't want they yeah, want to exactly. open source and basically expose that business to capitalism mm-hmm. where competition can actually infiltrate and hopefully make things better for consumers and that's a great idea i think mm-hmm. Facebook takes on Periscope with a live streaming feature immediately available to all U.S. iPhone users. Have any of you guys tried this yet? Uh, yeah, that's about as excited as I got. <laughs> <laughs> Have any of you guys used Periscope at all? It's a little older. Yeah. Yeah, do you mm-hmm. like that? Um, 
I think the idea of live broadcasting video like really opened up Twitter to a like a new realm of user. Um, yeah. And I think you know it it falls in line with where like especially here in America um like things are heading with sort of you know dash cams for police and mm-hmm. you know I don't know how to really explain it all but like the accessibility of the of the public world to everyone mm-hmm. else I think that's an interesting like an interesting play the product itself I thought had some like problems but like the idea itself I think like has legs and it's going to go somewhere. I think so too. I got really big on it when it first came out because it was like the new exciting thing from Twitter, kind of like Vine back in the day. Right. Mm -hmm. As if it was 1925 or something. But, uh, you know, it was like the new thing from Twitter, Periscope, cool. I don't know. I I deleted it and I don't use it anymore. (laughs) But I do see the, uh, the benefit that you're talking about. Yeah, I think there's definitely a benefit. I mean, I'm going to retire and move to the mountains and just stop bothering everybody. So hopefully I won't ever be on a Periscope, but I think <laughs> in general, the idea is pretty great. T-Mobile's Ben John now includes Amazon Video and Univision. If you're not familiar with Ben John, it's a T-Mobile program that lets you stream uh, video without it counting against your data allowance, provided that the video service in question works with T-Mobile to optimize uh, video streams. We should be clear on binge on uh and i've done a lot of research into it because it might make me switch to t-mobile um mm-hmm. they do make you only stream 480p i think it is like yeah. they lower the quality of the video so that it's not as much data on their network um but then yeah it's it doesn't count against your data which, which is, is cool. way better in my yeah oh i agree opinion. i would I much rather be able to stream unlimited video than uh watch it in hd although there are a lot of rumblings right now that it's actually technically illegal what they're doing. Yeah, I saw that too. I, I wondered if, if that would go against the whole net neutrality thing. Yeah. But, well, and I don't know for sure, but that's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems to be the same in sort of theory as what you know Comcast was trying to do with mm-hmm. a lot of their like big data pipe hogs. And that concludes Tech You Should Know for this week. Tech you should use this week. We are focusing on New Bible. And if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time at all, you know what New Bible is. But some folks might be new. So uh, New Bible is, I've called it, a design-conscious Bible app for the iPhone. Uh, It's the one I use. It's the one several of us use uh, here on the podcast and in the Slack channel. Um, There are a lot of Bible apps, and we'll probably talk about that. Um... But Aaron is here with us this week, and he is one of the developers of New Bible, and so we're glad to have him here, and we want to talk to you a little bit about the app. Let's do it. So how do you describe it to folks? Because like, kind of like you said, and like I said, there are a lot of Bible apps. How's it different? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest difference is that we've made a conscious decision to strip away everything uh, that would get in the way of actually reading and interacting with the Bible. So, yeah, it's a, it's a conscious way of interacting with the Bible so that, you know, you don't have to worry about social stuff or, like, reading plans or, I don't know, 
putting a verse on an image from Instagram and, you know, some weird shell script and like, uh, <laughs> nah, we're good, man. I just want to read Romans. Yeah, sounds good. That's what we want too. Yeah, and both Corey and I being designers um, really appreciate and understand uh, that design can enhance an experience. So we yeah. really wanted to use the the pieces in our, you know, the tools in our design toolbox that would help the experience um, rather than, you know, get in the way and hinder somebody who just wants to get in and read the Bible. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a reading, it's a reading Bible. It's not mm-hmm. like a big giant study Bible. Yeah. You're not going to find Greek terms or find reading plans or find, like you said, Instagram images, but that's not what you're trying to be. You just want to get people to read the Bible. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and we made, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a like concessions, but we do have like highlighting and uh, bookmarking um, mm-hmm. just because we feel like that is part of like the reading experience yeah, um, mm-hmm. and not that doesn't like sort of dovetail into some other like weird sharing social kind of thing. Well, and there's one highlight color, I think, right? Uh, one highlight color and one bookmark style. Yeah. But which is, one um, we are like, admittedly, it's very limiting. Um, no, I, I think it's we one definitely of the cool things. Wanted to swing all the way to like, like almost have too much, too many limits and like too much control mm-hmm. on the experience mm-hmm. so that we could then, like ratchet things in slowly, right. which right. leads to a, I don't know, a much more satisfied experience. Um, if you just give everything away up front, then you realize it's a, a bad idea. Uh, taking that away just makes for an angry user base. Mm-hmm. So starting slow and then slowly progressing forward and finding out where that sweet spot is, um, is definitely something we were doing intentionally. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Clear for the iPhone in that respect, that um, there's these to-do apps that have a zillion different features, and then Clear came along and said, no, we really don't, we don't want all those, let's let's take it down to the basics, and then they, like, slow, like, after, like, a year and a half, they added reminders and, and so on, and so you can take a much more deliberate uh, way, a, a much more uh, deliberate roadmap. Yeah, and you know, we weren't like making a statement that all of the other Bible apps are bad and that like their feature sets are <laughs> right. making you right. bad Christians or whatever. Um <laughs> we just definitely saw that there was a gap and Corey and I both came from like a design background inside of like the Christian world, so like working at churches, we both worked at hmm. some like we both worked at Relevant, so we came from that like Christian media industry um, mm-hmm. and design is very much something that has been ignored um, in the church and design has mm-hmm. ignored the church also. So it's, it's both ways. Um, <laughs> we are definitely going to dig into that in the next segment. Oh, do it, man. I will talk for days on that, John. <laughs> that's great. No, that's amazing. Um, let, let me say one other thing about New Bible specifically. So we were talking about highlights and bookmarks. One of the coolest things that I've seen in the app that I, I don't think I've seen in other Bible apps, and I've tried a lot of them, if not all of them, um, is when you highlight and bookmark, there's this timeline feature sort of on the left side, if you will, contextually. So you can actually see when you made a highlight or a bookmark uh, in the entire span and life of the app, which is cool, I think. Just kind of going back through, you're almost doing a retrospective reading plan like showing yourself where you were at a certain time in your life. And I haven't seen that in a Bible app other than this one. It's pretty neat. 
Right. Yeah, we really like that. And there's some like features and stuff we really want to do. Like we had a very ambitious road plan, um, roadmap um, on what we wanted to do, like inside a new Bible. And one of those things was like this really robust, great timeline. But the more we thought about it, the more we realized that it was just like a really, really heavy idea that needed some unpacking. Um, so it kind of got pushed to a later release. We're still thinking about it. Um, and there's a lot of stuff we want to do, but yeah, you kind of hit on what we liked most about the the highlighting was just sort of that being able to go back in time mm-hmm. and sort of find out where you were. Yeah, and although it is uh, sort of a slimmer uh, feature set, it is obviously very focused as a result of that. And so there are a lot of things you can do. You can tell it's reading focused because every time I open the app, it says, you were in this place. Do you want to start there again? You know, and that just makes sense to me. Um, so it, it is great for reading in that sense. I love the way you've uh, implemented navigating chapters. It's amazing. Oh, thanks. Uh, that, yeah, we, yeah uh, that you can just swipe on the side and then pick a chapter in the book you're in. It's so cool. Uh, I want to say Corey came up with that. We were really struggling with some like sort of simple ways to get into things. And I think we kind of yeah. fell into it. It was like a side idea that we had on something else. And then like a light bulb went off in someone's head and like, what if we just pulled over and you could scrub, you know, what, what, about, <laughs> yeah. what about scrubbing? And, scrubbing. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we prototyped it and used it for a bit and we're just like, thumbs up. This is what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. I think the search is also really good too. Um, just giving, you can double tap anywhere when you're reading any place in the Bible and you can search the entire Bible. Uh, and as I understand it, I think it just searches the translation you have set, and we'll get into translations in just a second. But I found the search to be really helpful as well, uh, just trying to search maybe a keyword, almost like a concordance, but a digital one, which is cool. Yeah, uh, we, like, I mean, this is on the the dev guys who actually built it, but they built up, like, a really great, like, database archive structure, so search is super fast, it's very quick. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it only, it searches inside of the translation you're in. Um, and I use search more as navigation than I do for finding things. Um, so if I'm in John or whatever, and you know, the pastor's talking about something else and Ecclesiastes, double tap Ecclesiastes eight, boom, you're there. Right. Right. You know, it's great. That's great. I love it. So, so let's talk translations for a second. You have a bunch on there. Uh, I think default uh, is HCSB. Is that right? Correct. And then there's also King James available. Yeah. And we have a ESV. American Standard, ASV, uh, Common English, King James, uh, NASB, NIV, New King James, and the World English Bible. Man, do you think there are a lot of English translations or what? <laughs> Dude, we haven't even... That's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> Open up version so. if you want to see all the different stuff, man. Yeah. It's crazy. No kidding. You can scroll for days on yeah. your version. And this doesn't even get into other languages, which is something yeah. we want to do, but it's, it's a pretty hard process. So mm-hmm. let's talk about translations for a second. I'm, I'm sure you get this a lot, and I've actually been to your feature request site, so I've heard some of the responses. But for our for our listeners, I would love for you to have a chance to, you know, you, you do have to buy the translations. I have ESV. It's like $5, I think, which is literally the price of a Starbucks cup of coffee. So it's like not a big deal at all. Um, the app is free, though. So you can get HCSB uh, and King James for free. The other translations cost depending on, I'm guessing, licensing prices probably. Yeah. Uh, just um, so y'all aren't losing money. Legally, I don't think we're allowed to really give away like what um, like the deals are. Um, sure. But sure. yeah, I mean, these 
they're publishing companies and they own these mm-hmm. translations mm-hmm. and it makes complete sense that you have to pay for them because right there's hundreds of dudes sitting you know scrubbing has gone into translations yeah. and like coming up with right. exact words to make things sound you know the, the way that they think god intended these things and there's a lot of overhead and like making the digital files and making sure they're updated. So there's a lot of work that goes into it. These guys aren't just sitting around doing it for free. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So right. we have to pay them. And yeah. there so are other apps through... that do that for you. And that's a ministry right. that they do. And I think that is a glorious, wonderful thing. And I'm not saying they shouldn't mm-hmm. do it, but um, we're not just like pocketing like right. money every time you want to read ESV. Well, and specifically what what I am curious about is the deci- the cost decision to, you know, it's a free app right now and you pay for the translation you want. So you can get one translation for three bucks or one for five and you're done, right? And that's kind of what I've done with ESV. What you could have done, and maybe did you think about this and kind of what was the thought process, is make the app 20 bucks and give us all translations. Like, you know, that's kind of the other side of the the equation and you may have a smaller user base because of it. I mean, what kind of was the thought process there? Um we did think about sort of this like kind of like maybe a subscription model where you buy everything like with one mm-hmm. touch and there was just a like tremendous amount of like business and financial stuff and hoops we would have had to jump through and mm-hmm. the pricing wouldn't have been any better. Like we wouldn't have been able right. to like get cheaper deals because as soon as we give access to one of these things to a person, like legally we have to pay, you know, Thomas Nelson um, for access to the NIV. So Right. You would have to, if every time we added in a translation, we would have to have like a new in-app purchase bundle because the other people hadn't paid for the new translation. So we couldn't like increase their original in-app purchase price to cover gotcha. the new costs. So, I mean, it just didn't make a lot of sense for us to try and bundle everything. And we just also yep. didn't think that that would put this in a lot of people's hands. And we really right. thought that a lot of people would find value and use in like a really design clean oriented bible i think they definitely are i've seen several articles that rate new bible as the best bible app for reading the bible which is like i don't know what else you would want to do with a bible app but (laughs) i mean there's there's tons of things that you would want to do with the bible app but i definitely think like you know it's qualifying it so that i could win the race um (laughs) but i think for reading experience Straight up, just reading the Bible, hands down, New Bible is the best way you can do it. That's awesome. A couple other key features, just for the listeners who may not be familiar. Uh, reading reminders, you can set those to appear every day by notification. You can change um, the color of the app. The whole color scheme can be changed by just going into the settings with a swipe. And they've got a bunch of free color schemes you can choose between, and some you can also buy. Uh, you can turn on red letter text for the words of Jesus, and you can turn on and off verse numbers, which is really cool for like kind of a reader's Bible experience if you want to take out the verse numbers. Um, so yeah, New Bible is our tech you should use this week, uh, and it is great. And if you have an iPhone, you should totally get it. What about those that don't have an iPhone? <laughs> Any hope for them? I'm glad you asked. Being me. <laughs> uh, thanks, Ryan. Um, so... Both Corey and I work on the Android platform as well, um, and we want to do that, but you know we had uh, we paid for this out of our pockets, so mm-hmm. we have to save up some more money basically um, to start development on Android. 
Um, and just the reality is that in the app world, like iOS is one of the smarter ways to start. Um, it's got a much more engaged user base. Um, iOS users buy things, Android users <laughs> don't. Um, and that's just like the hard economics of it. We definitely want to do it. I would love nothing more than to have new Bible on my Nexus 6. That would be awesome. So I have one right here. Oh, um, nice. But like that's going to take some time. Windows phone, I would not hold your breath for that. <laughs> <laughs> so how can, is there a way that folks can donate to help you guys fund the Android effort? Is that something y'all are in? Uh, in? No, I mean, we're not really into the Kickstarter thing um, mm -hmm. or donation stuff. I mean, the best way to help is to just like tell somebody and have that other person buy ESV. Awesome. Um, and then eventually when we get the cash, we'll be able to develop for Android. Um, so we're super excited. We've like prototyped and built out designs for that exact use case. And when we were designing the app originally, we very much went away from using uh, like stock UI pieces just because we didn't want to have to like rethink ideas to go to a different platform. So the way we have New Babel now, I think it's extendable to other platforms just as is. We just have to find development resources to actually do it. And that is a wrap on Tech You Should Use this week. Okay, moving into what we usually call theology from the headlines. So I'd love to open it up, Aaron, um, with just kind of your background, specifically in the church. You said you grew up in the church? Yeah, so I was actually one of those, like, born and raised Baptist kids. Okay. Hey. Um, <laughs> Same here. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, like, I always felt really bad when people asked me, like, oh, what's your background? I had friends who had these amazing conversion stories and they were hiking and <laughs> mm -hmm. broke a leg and like fell down a cliff and God came to them and like told them they had some grand plan. And like that was none of that happened for me. It was just like my mom was Christian and my parents were Christian and my grandparents were Christians <laughs> and I just kind of grew up in church. And then, you know, I don't know, around high school, I decided that like this rang true with me. And that I thought, like, it logically made sense, it emotionally made sense, like, it, it like, the worldview matched up with what I actually saw in reality. Yeah. Um, and then I just, you know, kind of kept doing that until now, and I'm 36. Um, wait, am I? Yeah, I'm 36. <laughs> wait, am I 36? <laughs> After about 34, I was just like, whatever, man. I'm glad when you're having fun with um, something like that. And then I became much more comfortable in telling people that that's what happened because I thought it was more a testament to um, conviction and like staying the course. Um, and I think that's valuable. And that's something that I don't, I didn't see a lot of people sort of boasting in like, no, man, I've been a Christian. I stuck with it. Like, I think that's valuable yeah. for people to hear rather than like, oh, I lived this awesome life. And I was like, king of the world and party, party, party. And then God found me. Like that's that's cool, but like I don't, I just missed all the headaches and all the crap mm -hmm. by being that's, able to just stick around. 
that's kind of the story my wife has similar as well. Uh, you know, she raised her hand and prayed a prayer when she was seven in church, grew up in, in the church. Uh, and you know, she, we, I have a totally kind of more like the first story you were explaining personally. Um, and you know, we talk about it often and I think it's like a point of the Lord's grace that he would save us from just the muck we would have found ourselves in if he didn't raise, you know, you in the church or her in the church. So I think it's really awesome testimony of, of how good God is. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely how I look at it now, but it was much harder. I mean, it was kind of a struggle, like, especially as a high schooler in college, like Mm -hmm. all the like charismatic college groups with like the cool kids, like (laughs) talking about how they were drunk and partying. And like, then I just, then they start crying and like, Jesus saved me. And he found me on a corner in New York. And my story was like, oh no, I've just been going here the whole time. So, <laughs> yeah, cool. no, well, I welcome. I, I guess <laughs> welcome. Good to Glad see to you. Have you here. Here's the Bible. Okay, let's go to kind of your work life now. Sure. Uh, so, so you were you mentioned earlier that you work at Yahoo. Yeah. Now, and you're doing mobile for them, and you've been a designer for how many years? Um, I think I got my first job. Um, professionally in 2001 um and i started sort of design in high school my school had an art teacher who was like the computer guy i'm using air quotes Hmm. um (laughs) and he decided to start like a design program and it was you know this sort of pilot program in our school district so i was able to start using computers and stuff there and i was in a band so i thought we had a website that we should have and so you know Signed up for Tripod and had my little free 10 megabyte hosting space. Nice. And, oh, man. My first band's website was on Tripod as well. Oh, it was Those glorious. Animated GIFs everywhere, like <laughs> yeah. blinking space Terrible. stars and like dudes yeah. shoveling stuff to show oh, it's under wow, construction. That's awesome. Man, we were nearly in the same band by the sounds of it. That's crazy. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was great. I mean, did you do crappy high school Christian rock too? Because that's oh, what yeah, I did. Yeah. It was it was actually crappy high school Christian punk rock, so you know. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh man, Craig, do you yeah. have videos or audio from any of this? Uh, I've got a CD, a demo CD. Yeah, but oh let's leave gosh. that for another time. We have got to get that and play it on the show, please. <laughs> I've told you before. It was called the Pinstripes. Remember? Oh, I mean, yeah, it came up in a conversation at one point. Use that for bumper music. What was anyway. your band's name, Aaron? Uh, the Makaya Project. Oh, nice. Who nice. Uh, Makaya was a prophet in like. Old Israel. You can read about him in Chronicles, Second Chronicles, sweet chapter eighteen. Um, not that I still remember all of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me look that up using my handy dandy new Bible. There you app. go. Just yeah, double tap while you're reading, and you can pull up Second Chronicles eighteen thirteen. Um, yeah. So I've been designing a long time. Yeah, and I have gone. I don't know. I was down in Orange County where I grew up. I designed in Orlando when I was at Relevant Magazine. Corey was out there also. Um, moved up here to the Bay, uh, San Francisco area, uh, 2011. So, been gainfully employed as a designer for 14 plus years. So, you've been with Yahoo since 2011, is that right? No, I was at AOL before that. And then I oh, okay. cool. was at a company called Hightail. We did cloud storage stuff. Aha, so that's what Hightail is. Yeah, if you've heard it's of you send it, it's the same company. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, Neat. I was brought in to sort of help rebrand the company. Wow. So how did you and Corey meet? Um, he actually started working at Relevant. They hired him after I left. Okay. Um, 
So just being inside of the same like crew of people out there, we just became yeah. buddies. We actually didn't talk a ton because um, I was uh, I had left relevant, so I was like full time, heads down um, at you know my new gig, and you know wasn't hanging around the office or anything. But you know, I think the first time I met him was at like a group lunch at Olive Garden from like with like a bunch of <laughs> nice uh, relevant employees at the time. Um, and then I think we started talking more after we both left Orlando. We became like internet chat buddies. Um, he he moved up to New York, and I was back in California. Um, yeah, and I've been up here for a while at Yahoo for over a year. So, what's it like uh, being a Christian there? Are there lots of Christians there? Um, at Yahoo or in the Bay? Uh, in the Bay. Um, yes. Um, I mean, there's there's churches everywhere. There's definitely no way God would let something like California get away with not having a church. <laughs> um, so there's a ton of churches here. Um, I still meet Christians all the time. Um, so I don't think it's like the godless place that a lot of like people in the South kind of look at California and just like, oh, freak out and <laughs> think that like everything is crazy. Like, you know, you see on TV, it's not, I mean, it's still crazy. There's a lot of crazy, but like God's working everywhere. So mm -hmm. yeah, none of us are trying you... to hide, but it's still cool. tough because I mean, the prevailing mentality is that secularism is the way to go. And that like religion is, mm -hmm. it, you know, it holds people under their thumb and it forces them to think stupid things and blow people up and I don't know, want to shoot people in an abortion clinic that's just not what god actually is but yeah. it's easy to i mean from both sides it's easy to you know demonize somebody if they don't sort of think the same way as you yeah there's a lot of fear when folks are different than you i think yeah i mean there definitely is um and that's from both sides i mean christians i mean my i went to church with people who were just deathly afraid of anybody who is not a Christian and like telling them that you're going to a punk rock show, they like lay hands on you and start praying for you because you're going to be assaulted and turn into the devil. <laughs> no, grandma, I'm just going to a punk rock show. It's okay. <laughs> I'm not sacrificing babies on an altar. Like it's just good music. I'm just going to go watch, watch some stuff. Tank, were you going to say something? I was going to say basically what he just said, that it's, it ends up being both sides. How, yeah. how he just said it's not California is not necessarily what the South thinks of it. Like everyone's crazy and stuff. <laughs> just as they think that there's some crazy people within us, because there are. We think everyone's crazy just because there yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, it, people in California think the South is just bonkers. But mm -hmm. having lived in Florida, which is the South, but not really the South, and <laughs> like worked and traveled through like the actual South. Like it's not as crazy as people think it is when you're not living there. It's easy to look at it and go like, oh, yeah, they're Bible thumpers, and they're just crazy, and they're all toothless, and, you know, just growing their own food in <laughs> Appalachia, which actually sounds amazing <laughs> to me. It's a life dream, but... Yeah, you were talking about going to live in the mountains. It sounds like you'd like the South. Yeah, I love it, man. The South is great. It's good people. So do you get to, do you get to talk about Jesus much at work? We talk about that a lot here. Talk about Jesus or talking about Jesus at work? That one specifically. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, if I'm asked about it, yeah, I talk, I, I will. I'm always open about like what I actually believe. 
Right. But I don't like go into a review meeting like, okay, this is what you know we should do for theming. Um, by the way, is Jesus your Lord and Savior? <laughs> um, I definitely think we're supposed to evangelize, um, and I'm honest with people whenever they ask questions. But yeah, um, it's just it's more organic. If it comes up, cool. You know, I'll talk about it. If it doesn't, no, that's great. I uh, yeah. So so I work at a a small tech startup web development company. How many people? Um, well, you know how Apple started with Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak and that third guy that no one knows his name? You're the third guy? I'm the third guy. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I was the third full-time employee. We have a bunch of contractors, huh. but I think we have like maybe a dozen or okay. so. Uh, so it's pretty lean and mean right now. Um, anyway, but you know, one of the things I notice in the South is, you know, everybody goes to church and everybody talks about church. Um, not necessarily particularly at my job, but just, you know, working with folks in, in Memphis, it's like, yeah, I go to church. So it's hard to talk about Jesus, you know? It's a much more cultural thing I noticed in the South. Um, and that was one thing that I really appreciated growing up. I guess not in the South or not in a place where church was more of a cultural thing. Um, it was very intentional. Like when you went to church, you were there with people who loved Jesus and like went to church. Mm-hmm. I did go to a handful of churches out in Orlando um, where like, you know, all of my friends are like the church people. So they kind of go to church and they yeah. like the, the performance and the fuzzy feel good talk time. And then right. they go to lunch, and that's the cool part, is like, sweet, we're all going to Panera. Um, <laughs> and that was what it was more about for them, like, yeah. uh, just mm-hmm. the community, and not, like, really diving in and, like, changing your life. Um, and that was always hard for me. But out here, like, if you go to church, um, people are like, ooh, you must believe something. Mm. Which is definitely something I didn't encounter a ton when I was outside of California. Yeah. Mm, Interesting. That's something I'm pretty passionate about. Like whenever I became a follower of Christ and went to church and I just, I grew up in church a lot, but it was always that same experience. It was just uh, like the only time anyone would talk about Jesus was during the sermon and it was the pastor. And it's like, man, this is a group of people, hundred people or so that all say Jesus is the most important person thing in their life. Yet we never talk about him. And so that's, just that kind of realization and frustration has really changed how I approach a lot of my conversations, at least with Christians. Okay. Very bothered by that as well. Frustrated with that as well. Um, about how cultural it is to ignore Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah. It's an interesting yeah, thing. I, um, I mean, it's, it's hard to like figure out what type of evangelist, you know, God really wants you to be. Um mm. And, you know, with capital E evangelists, I don't think everybody's called to, like, go to, you know, whatever, Saharan Desert and, like, start reaching, like, tribes that have never been touched by, you know, written language. Um, But I think everybody's definitely supposed to, like, talk to their neighbors and make sure that, you know, everybody Mm -hmm. knows that I'm a Christian and that, like, that's what rules my life. Um, So it's that balance of, that I've found out Mm -hmm. here. Um, Like, how much do you actually talk about it? Because yep. if you, straight up, if I just start going up to people here in the Bay, like, hey, do you know Jesus? Like, eventually, nobody would talk to me. So it's that right. balance of, like, 
okay, I know that God wants me to tell all of these people about him. Um, but like, how, how do I do that without alienating all of these people who are vehemently anti-religion, anti-Jesus? And I want to clarify as well, just that I meant like within the church. So those people who like uh, already confess Christ. Um, yep. Yeah, but but yeah, we don't talk about that. Yeah, so that's why I was just saying those are the people that I definitely. What was that? Yeah, the people who are at church for the community rather than for what it's really about. That kind of crowd. Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean, Tim? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Okay, so let's move into more about um, Tank, your topic. Mm-hmm. So I think we can start with what inspired you to even do New Bible, and you've talked a little bit about that. Um. um. Both being like Corey and I, Christians who worked at like a quote unquote Christian company, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not using air quotes in any sort of derogatory way because there's always like mm-hmm. this interesting dilemma of like if you say you're a Christian company or are you just a company that is just all Christians, so it's right. that sort of MXPX mm-hmm. kind of dilemma. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're even Christian anymore, but we won't go there. It's a sore spot. No, I mean like were they? <laughs> Up front, I mean, uh, like, well, they they were all pretty open about being Christians back in the day. But right. Mike's podcast these days, they've all been interviewed on it, and they're all like, "Yeah, we don't really, we don't really, in, we're not really into that anymore." And Mike himself was like, "Yeah, religion, I have no idea if it's real or not, sort of thing." So, cool, they pretty fun. openly walked away from it. That's really great to hear. Um, <laughs> it's cripplingly sad. <laughs> it's really sad, considering I, they they were like my favorite band, but. <laughs> So I think Corey and I both coming from like a design background and being Christians um, definitely were kind of frustrated that um, this most important thing in our lives uh, being the Bible and Jesus and church and like the relationship with those um, was kind of ignored like in general by design. Um, And it really frustrated us. um, And it's something I've, been frustrated with for a long time. Like I've volunteered a lot at churches with design. I had like an actual paying gig at a couple of churches, like being on the in-house design teams. And like, you're there as like the designer, but you're the monkey that like lays out (laughs) the like Sunday bulletin. And if you say you want to change something because like aesthetically this is more pleasing than the other one, your pastor is like, well, I kind of like Times New Roman. So let's just stick with that. <laughs> um, and people hadn't really appreciated that design is just crafting something with intense care to make somebody else's mm. experience like better. Um, mm. Yeah. You could have church in, like just a square box, which is plywood and a tin shack roof and still meet God. But like, that doesn't mean that an architect shouldn't be brought in like to build an experience that would make it easier and better for people to engage in like a service. Um, So no one's going to whine about that, but like you get a, a kid who wants to like make the bulletins look better. And all of a sudden, like I'm the worst guy ever. And, how come I'm making the type so small and it's it's frustrating. So we sort of had been thinking about a lot of stuff and Corey like just really kind of wanted to do it. Um so we ended up going on a uh like a nighttime photography trip up to Yosemite and 
like sort of in all of the downtime, we were just kind of chatting through and like the idea of like, yeah, I think we should do a Bible app because it's just, it's so hard to like interact on the go and we're very mobile people. And, you know, we were both in the space of like mobile product design. So it just kind of, it was in our wheelhouse to do something with care and craft that would enhance this thing that we loved so dearly. Um, so we kind of solidified the idea then, and then just in the next couple of months started cranking on like details and logistics. And then we started building it. That's amazing. I think God is glorified in the good, true and beautiful also. So it mm-hmm. just further identifies the fact that design is something precious to God. Yeah, and there's been like blogs and stuff, and I wish I had saved links so we can like put them in podcast notes and like do yes. all the cool stuff. <laughs> but I definitely think that maybe this is also me trying to justify like my own profession, but like design and like the aesthetic is very much something that I think can be a worshipful act um, because God is the ultimate creator. Like he's the ultimate designer. He has designed this incredible system of people and animals and a planet and biology and mathematics and all of this crazy stuff that like is design. It's all problem solving. It's like this contained glorious thing. And when we try to design things and make things aesthetically pleasing, we're trying to live up to this like God that we love and we worship in a way that like reflects the traits that he finds valuable. And I think he finds beauty and grace and clarity incredibly valuable. Um, so why wouldn't we want to try and imitate that and do the best that we possibly could with everything we have? Amen to that. Mm-hmm. There's also like, it's something that I've always, I have a blog that I just run for myself. It's called design lessons or life lessons. Um, because it's what I know, like design is what I do. So the things that I've learned in life um, that are the most valuable lessons have been design lessons that like finally click and I'm like, oh, okay, got it. So design 101, if everything is important, nothing is important. So if you make an app where it just everything's whiz bang, flashy all over the place, number one feature, then nothing is important and you're going to get lost and you're not going to be able to read the Bible. So we definitely wanted to make sure that the thing that was important was the thing that was important. So I like that. Yeah. Um yeah. There was something else I was going to say, maybe I'll think of it later, but I get lost cuz I'm kind of long-winded sometimes. It's great. We love it. Uh so say somebody has listened to this um and has really bought into the idea that the church has left design by, behind or or design has left the church behind either either way you want to go and they want to you know, they want to know next steps. So what, what can I do to be more design conscious? What can I do to even maybe learn design, um, you know, from step one, let's say, or from step, you know, two or three, because it seems to me like as a developer who wants to be design conscious, I think Tank can probably agree with me on this. You know, it's, it's, there's a steep learning curve at first, you know, and if you, if you aren't naturally gifted at it to see, oh, there's more space between that letter than there is between this letter, as far as typeface goes, then, you know, you may not be, be as, uh, it may not be as easily accessible to you. So what would be kind of your advice there? Um, I mean, that's kind of a, a big question to kind of unpack, like, how do I get good at design? Um, or how do I get started? It doesn't have to be how do I get as good as you. 
Um, well, <laughs> I mean, will that ever happen? <laughs> um, I mean, I've got an Amazon wish list of all the fantastic design books that I think help. But um, I mean, design comes down to like care and thought and crafting of like an experience where you're hoping somebody successfully does something. Um, so phone apps like Facebook, like it's well designed because they want you to engage in the news feed. So they've crafted things so that they you accomplish what they want you to sort of accomplish. Um, books are well designed when they kind of get out of the way. So there's a lot of different things that go into design, shape, color, patterning, size. Um, rhythm is like the biggest thing that you want to have in design. If things don't feel harmonious, then something's off and you just kind of tweak until you sit back and go, oh, okay. That's comfortable. Like, I don't feel anxious about trying to read this book. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's tons. That's kind of like asking Ben, how do you start being a developer? <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you start being <laughs> a developer? A huge I just learned code, question. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is a huge question, but, uh, you know, it's an important question. We've oh, talked I, about I totally the issue. Is. Um, the issue definitely in the church being sort of behind on it yeah um Um, so there's i guess two places that you can kind of um jump on jump into that sort of like design in the church um there's like the half where there are churches who just don't care and it's just like the mindset is jesus is the most amazing thing ever and if he wants to reach somebody he's going to um can we talk about that for a second yeah is that because I think I think I've heard that described as by a, a pastor that I know as almost an abuse of grace. So churches almost have this mentality where um, people, if people are really genuine in their search for God, or if people are really um, genuine in in wanting to come to church and find out what it's all about, they'll be willing to look past our um our bad design and our terrible aesthetics, and they'll just accept the message for what it is. And so we don't need to worry about that stuff. We don't need to worry about how we're presenting things to the wider community because that's actually got nothing to do with what we're here for. Um, and so it's kind of just assuming people will accept bad, bad looking things, accept bad design from the church because it's, it's not their core business, I guess, in a way. Right. Um, but, but obviously what you're saying and, and what we would all, I think, agree with is that, um, if God is if God is a creative God, which He is, He's the ultimate creator, like you said before, then to assume that He doesn't care about those things uh, is definitely wrong. Yeah. Um, and so if He if He does care about those things, we need to care about those things. And so then it becomes a question of, well, if God cares about this, and therefore we should care about this. If the church is still resistant to that, then how do we come alongside the church and and actually help change people's uh, thinking into you know, don't just resist change because we're comfortable with what we've currently got, but let's press on to improve the way that we're presenting um, our material and our, our, our church to the wider community, um, not just so that we can be more seeker sensitive or something, but so that we can be glorifying God through the gifts that he's um, given people within our church, mm-hmm. um, or even just the the gifts that he's given us to identify that, hey, we need to be doing this better. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Um... Design, when I see something well-designed, 
um, the first thing that comes into my head is that they care about this thing that is well designed. Somebody has yeah. taken this text, um, whatever it is, of mice and men. They have cared about this text so much that they have um, invested time and money and resources into designing a fantastic cover that engages me as a person, has set the type um, in a way that helps me read, and it like makes it an enjoyable experience and leads me on from one line to the next. And you know, the typeface is carefully crafted to evoke a certain feeling that may be um, you know, in line with the text that I'm actually reading. Um, like it shows that you care. Like, could you take of mice and men and print it out on eight and a half by eleven inch paper in Courier um, and have somebody read it? Yes. Let's go with Comic Sans. How about Comic Sans? Sure. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go super crazy. Uh, Don't even go there. Comic Comic Sans of mice and men. You know, a thousand pages of like Office Max off white paper. Like, would the book be just as good? I mean, I love it. That book is amazing. It's in my top five. Um, mm. But it wouldn't be an experience that I would be able to attach myself to um, because it doesn't look like somebody cared enough about this thing to like present it to me in a fashion that is um, that appreciates like the original source material. Um, well, and- so that's one thing. And then the other half that I have found difficult in church is. Um, I don't know how this is going to go over, but um, just because you feel like you're called to be a designer at a church doesn't mean you're good at it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I've met many people who are better people and better Christians than me um, who have just the most passionate drive to be the the graphic designer at their church and they're doing it and doing it hard and it will take me 10 minutes to outshine them. And that's not because like I'm Superman in the design world. It's because that I just have training and talent in it and they, they don't, they have drive. Um, but you can be five, four and have the most drive in the world to dunk over Shaq. It's probably <laughs> not going to happen because that's just happen. not the gifts that you've been given. And I feel like people have sort of conflated this desire to do something with like God-given ability and um, sort of talent in some areas. Does God take people and like equip the called, so to speak? Uh, Yeah, totally. Um, So that 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 can happen. I've seen, I've met people who've never gone to school for designers, and they're way better than me because they just Mm. like they just kind of fell into it, and like they got Photoshop and figured out how to do stuff and their brain just works in a special way and they just make me look like a tool. Um, (laughs) But that's not always the case. Uh, So I think I've met, and this is very anecdotal um, because I can only speak to like what I've encountered, but I've seen that happen too much where like the person who's like, I really, I want to take over the bulletin. I think that God's calling me to help out the church this way. And like pastors and leadership is like, okay, here you go. And then I can come in and say, I can, I can do it better. Um, way better. But like, <laughs> you know, you don't get the chance because, you know, so-and-so is really doing it for the ministry. Um, mm-hmm. And that somehow makes the product better. And it, that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily always, 
ring true. I think that's where where leaders like church leadership has a responsibility to be recognizing the gifts of the people in their community. Oh yeah. And so if there's if there's someone who's who is skilled in a particular area, making room for that person to be able to have influence in that area. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Um and and the other thing I'd say in terms of Ben's question, uh, just for a bit of background for Aaron, like I, I'm I trained in multimedia when I went through university, so it was kind of a broad thing, but I specialized in filmmaking, but also did sort of graphic design and web design alongside of that. Um, and I know when I first, when I started my first um, job out of university, we had like a, a full-time graphic designer who that was all he did was graphic design. And I kind of informally treated him as like a design mentor. So when I, when I had to d- design stuff, I would check things with him and ask him questions and he would come in sometimes and move things two pixels and be like, yeah, that's better. And I'd be like, really? Like, what's the difference? <laughs> but but over time, I kind of learned from him the subtleties of, of how to not just do something that works, but do something that works really well or works better than it did before, I guess. Um, and so maybe that would be a recommendation that I would have for someone who, and I'm not saying now that I'm like the best graphic designer in the world because I still wouldn't actually call myself a graphic designer as such. Um, but uh, that was how I kind of, improved my skills in that area was to to find I guess someone who I, I treated as a design mentor someone who I could ask questions watch the way they worked um, you know not not steal everything they did and do it myself but um, learn from you know take take ideas from and advice from um, and I guess that's what you're saying about there's heaps of books you you like to read and, and whatever to to sort of upskill or or um develop your your creativity and stuff like that um, but that's something is that something else you'd kind of recommend to people or yeah totally um agree with that to be fair um so i've like blasted the church for not appreciating design um i think the other side of that coin is design has not been historically um sold well um Mm. so i think now we're in a, a sort of like new age of designers blogging and talking and explaining things more so it's easier to bring people along rather than to come in um just you know with a blunt instrument and say like your stuff sucks boom like here's how a bulletin (laughs) should be done and then just sort of like forcing it in people's face but it's very much i mean it's it's evangelism like it's coming in and saying like hey do you know design can i talk to you for a second about design and then like pulling them in and like reaching people where they are and then like slowly helping them like to figure out what you actually mean when you say that like your stuff is better than their stuff. And then it's, it's the mentoring, you know, it's bringing somebody along and like helping them to get better. So that way your sort of conversations are easier over time. And I think now design is much better at that. We used to not be so good at that. Um, So I, I definitely enjoy where we are as a community more now than I ever have. To me, as harsh as it may sound, some of what we're saying, uh, it comes back to two things, loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Uh, You know, when you're talking about presenting of mice and men to someone, it's not only how much you love the content, and I, I believe you do, but it's also how much you love the reader in presenting them with the experience where they can most enjoy and get out of uh, of mice and men, all that they can, or for example, the Bible with New Bible, uh, you're loving them. You're meeting their need, uh, and you know I would say part of it is 
uh, overcoming any barrier uh, between them and the gospel, especially silly ones like something not looking good. Um, so I think it, you know, and I, and I would say in the example of the pastors choosing someone to be designer who's not qualified, it's the same thing. If you love your neighbor, if you love your congregation, if you love um, maybe the seeker, some might say, uh, then you'll choose the person who has been gifted by God to do it, that, that you might present uh, the best face forward uh, in order to advance the kingdom of Christ and, and the gospel. Yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, just to come back, I mean, I just thought of a like a story that had happened um, when I was working at Relevant. Um, we would get emails and like letters and whatever um, from people who like had good experiences with uh, the magazine. And we had one, one college kid like tell us like, Hey, I left my relevant magazine on the desk. Um, and a dude next to me who was a non-Christian and didn't like any part of, you know, Jesus, like saw the magazine, thought it looked cool and started flipping through and then came through and read a couple of articles because it was presented in such an engaging way that sort of met him where he was at. So I definitely do think that like design can help. Um, And the argument of like, Jesus is enough. Like, yeah, it's a slippery slope argument. Like if you want to say that, why are you even talking? You should just walk up to people and just go, Jesus. And like, he, (laughs) it should be so powerful that like everyone should just stop what they're doing at McDonald's and like, throw their hats in the air and everybody walks off to church because like Jesus just met everybody instantly. Like that's just, that's just not how the world world works. Um, so like, just like you take time to craft a sermon or to craft and write a, uh, a worship song, like why can't we do that with everything else that like a person may interact with? Yeah. I, w- I would say too, it, it comes back to God using, secondary causes. I mean, he's chosen to accomplish his purposes through certain means. And, you know, like if you're talking about evangelism, one of those is the preaching of the gospel. And so for, you know, we had a Slack conversation last week that was what is necessary for a successful evangelism encounter. And the answer, there are lots of answers, uh, but one of them is the gospel has to be preached and the spirit has to be present and, and working, you know, and for some reason, I don't know why, cause I'm not God. He's chosen to use uh, these means that involve us. And so it could be a designer of a magazine. It could be, uh, you know, just a, a young Christian who doesn't know a whole lot about the Bible or apologetics, but loves Jesus and shares the gospel with somebody and someone can get saved from even that. So it's, it's just amazing, um, that, that God would use us in in this mission. Yeah. It's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's very uncomfortable to know that like, uh, I mean, it's kind of disconcerting to know that, like, I'm I'm the way that somebody's going to hear about Jesus because, like, I'm kind of kind of gruff and bearded and I don't know, not really approachable in a mall. <laughs> but like, there's some situation where, like, I'm going to be the like the number one way that this uh, this dude's going to hear about Jesus. I'm just saying, you got. I'm still stuck way back in the conversation on um just. What you can't, if you focus, if you say everything's the most important thing, then nothing is. And secondly, like, design is about showing how much you care for something. And I'm just like going through all these places in my life. Like, I lead worship. Have I really thought about the design of like leading worship? Have I really just shown I care about this enough to sit down and think through 
every little piece because like Craig said, two pixels makes a difference um, in design. And so just the same way in, in leading worship, just those, is there anything I'm missing because I haven't taken the time out to sit down and say, okay, are there any two pixel changes that could happen that could just make um, that, yeah, the spirit could just use that set to uh, impact people more or um, in my marriage is there have I just been going for functionality because like I'm a developer it's so easy just to make a big gray box with five buttons that you click and they do the things you want but functionally complete but is my least yep. favorite phrase <laughs> <laughs> that's a good phrase so like is my marriage just functionally complete is my all right I'm gonna stop you right there this complete. is getting too convicting tank don't be talking about marriage being functionally complete <laughs> but I think that's a great point. And I think, I think obviously, there's extremes. So, mm. a lot of people tend to settle for functionally complete. Um, some churches tend to go, no, it has to, everything has to be done with excellence, and therefore, that must mean smoke machines. Um, and oh, so, yeah. do you know what I mean? So, it's about finding mm. um, the place where, and I think this is, this is what um, good design and things like New Bible are about, finding the place where the, the thing that needs to be in focus is what is in focus. Mm-hmm. You're not distracted by extra stuff, and you're also not distracted by things that are only functionally complete and are therefore lacking in areas where they could be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about fi- yeah, finding that sweet spot, I guess, where, where you're uh, presenting things in the best way possible, but you're also allowing the focus to remain where it's supposed to be, which in church is obviously on, on Jesus, on the message of, of Scripture, and on the word that's being preached to go out into people's hearts each week. Yeah. Aaron, would you call that balance? <laughs> yeah, but I, we use that every episode, so I'm trying, <laughs> not, to, I'm trying not to use that word um, this time. So in design, yeah, balance is like a thing that you definitely want to strive for. But um, like design is also about successful design is always done inside of a, a box of constraints. So mm. could you do a whiz-bangy like spin flash like all kinds of crazy stuff for the bible that like blows a whistle and like rings a <laughs> horn every time you successfully like highlight a verse and you could um but like being inside of a box knowing that like oh okay well it also has to be fast and like we want people to be able to focus on this and not be distracted by everything else so by giving it during the sermon without whistles going off every two seconds (laughs) right (laughs) like if a pastor gets up there and he's only speaking in sound bites and he's yelling every single one like you're never gonna like connect and like hear anything like there has to be some sort of balance (laughs) there Um, it is we can now end this segment (laughs) Um, Uh, and we have to get there it's like it's like what you said before if everything is important then nothing is important in design Yeah, so there's always constraints, and I think um, successful design is the most appropriate, um, aesthetically uh, appealing solution inside of this, like, these constraints that you have. All right, let's do recos. Aaron, you got any recos? It's okay if you don't have any. Um, actually, the thing that I would want to recommend the most right now is Day One. It's an iPhone app. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys have talked about it before, but I find nope. it pretty incredible. Um, and then combine that with um, a couple of uh, 
Workflow. Have you guys heard of Workflow? App? Yes. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, you can integrate day one into Workflow, and I saw a pretty sweet blog about um, prompting for morning and evening journals. Morning journals mm-hmm. being about like what you want to get accomplished that day and what you're grateful for, um, and then evening just being a wrap-up. Um, and I've been trying to do the quantified self thing for a while, so day one really um, with this has helped me journal more. Um, I had before this just been using an app called Reporter, which is like a full-on nerdy, like quantified self app. Um, but it takes a ton of work to like get data out of it in any sort of ma- meaningful way. Day one has really made cataloging um, much more enjoyable. Cool, that's good. So you pair those two apps together, right? So you hook one of them into day one. You hook yeah, I actually have a, a workflow yeah. set up in my um, today uh, top area in Older. notification, yeah. like alongside my notifications on my iPhone. Then I can just yeah. start in my prompts directly from there with a single tap and then just push the stuff into day one. Then I'm constantly, cool. like I have a new daughter. Um, as well, so I'm constantly taking photos and like making journal entries on stupid little nice. Like, oh, nice. she burped today. Oh, it's cute to see <laughs> Junk like that. Nice. Um, I'm going to reco this week an app that I use uh, pretty much daily, although maybe not so much on weekends. Uh, it's called Sleep Cycle, and it's an alarm clock. Um, it's ba- it's a little bit creepy. Some people think it's creepy because it monitors you while you sleep. So you basically leave your phone you press the start button when you go to bed and you tell it what time you want to wake up but it wakes you up in half hour increments um so you can basically um wake up you can tell it what time you want to wake up it'll wake you up within half an hour of that uh depending on the lighter part of your sleep cycle so the theory is that sleeping your sleep cycle goes up and down um through deep sleep and lighter sleep and it tries to wake you up in the lighter part so that you're not so tired when you wake up and then you can track your sleep over over days and weeks and months. Um, and I just find that it fades the alarm in. It it's, does pretty well at working out when I'm or, almost awake. Um, and so, yeah, check it out. Uh, I recommend uh, deleting the past podcasts off of your microphone's internal storage. Otherwise, <laughs> it will hit you when you least expect it. And in the middle of a podcast recording, you will discover, I'm no longer recording because the card is full. That's my recommendation for the week. I've learned my lesson. And I will recommend the newest album uh, from a man named Josh Garrels. He is a church elder in uh, Portland, Oregon, but he's also a very, very talented singer. And I just recently discovered him because of my friend, John. Uh, So shout out to you, John. I'm recommending Josh Garrels' album. The name is Home. You should listen to it all. It's about, um, the whole album is about the new heavens and the new earth. And so it starts with a song called Born Again, which is probably the best one, and just describes salvation experience. If you think about your own, you'll probably cry because it's so beautiful. It's amazing. And then just the whole album's fantastic. It's on like anything you could want it on, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, all that stuff. I'm putting it all in the show notes, but it's fantastic. If you like, um, it's kind of like Bon Iver, if you've heard of them. Mm-hmm. Some people say Bon Iver. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, it's kind of like them. But it's amazing. Cool. And 
Hey, Aaron, what are some Yo. ways that people can contact you, like on Twitter or your blog or stuff like um, that? Yeah, I mean, if it's New Bible stuff, um, it's New Bible Co., like at New Bible Co. Um, personally, I am at I am Aaron Martin. I kind of grabbed onto that back in like 97, and that's kind of been my handle for everything. So pretty much anywhere you want to go, if you want to look for I am Aaron Martin, I'll be there. Nice. Nice. And then Corey and you- is I am Corey on Twitter. Awesome. With a K. With a K. Awesome. And if you would like to contact us, you can jump in our Slack channel at slack.techreformation.com for you to sign up and you can jump in and chat with us all week. You can also follow us on Twitter at Tech Reformation. And you can jump on our website, techreformation.com, and check the tags to find previous episodes. Lastly, you can email us at ask at techreformation.com. Questions, feedback, comments, whatever. This has been awesome. Aaron, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me. And we hope you guys enjoyed this as much as we did. This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.